0: John Jackson Miller here. I've written for Star Wars and comic books like Knights of the Old Republic and Knight Errant, short stories like Lost Tribe of the Sith, and novels like Kenobi, A New Dawn, and The Living Force, which releases on April 9th in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook from Random House Worlds. Writing Star Wars is special to me because it allows me to commute to work in an imaginary place that I first visited when I was nine years old, and which has only been growing since. It has been a pleasure to see so many familiar faces in that universe, as well as a lot of new ones. It has never gotten old for me. Happy Star Wars Podcast Day, and may the Force be with you.
1: Hello and welcome to this special Star Wars Podcast Day episode of the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Uh, And a very special welcome if this is your first episode with us today. Uh, I'm Johnny Maynard, better known to some for rambling about Star Wars stuff on Instagram as at Journals of the Will. But I'm just one of the four core admin folk behind the scenes and mics here at the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. And we're all here today. Um, So let's say hello and introduce ourselves. Hello,
2: uh, I'm Chris, Star Wars Book Collector. Hi, I'm Dan, Vader's Castle Library, and I'm also here.
3: And I'm also here too, and I'm Morgan, not a Force user.
1: Fantastic. The full house of the um, core admin team here, the folk who make the magic happen at the Star Wars Book Community Podcast.
2: (laughs) Is that what we call it, magic? Yeah,
1: it's... uh, so is it was a dark magic secrets only the sith knew
2: yeah when it comes to me and chris yeah definitely. Uh huh.
1: Uh-huh. um but thank you for joining us for this um very special star wars podcast day episode of the show um what is star wars podcast day i hear you ask chris asked me that just before just before we started recording uh why are we here um i'll tell you i'll tell you chris um Today, 7th of February, uh, is Star Wars Podcast Day uh, and the anniversary of the very first Star Wars podcast, um, which launched way back in 1999. So this is the 25th quarter of a century uh, of Star Wars audio community content. Um, now, I don't think that that's related to the, There's a current podcast called Jedi Talk. I'm pretty sure they're not related. Um the uh, the Jedi Talk that first started in 1999 was started by two guys in Utah, Lucy and Meyer, and a colleague, Gene. Uh, and I guess that was coming off the back of the resurgence of Star Wars fandom after the special editions in '97, Phantom Menace coming down the pipe in '99. Um, if anybody out there really wants more information about um, Jedi Talk, that first ever Star Wars podcast, strongly encourage you to seek out uh, on YouTube. Um, An episode of Star Wars en direct, uh, a French-Canadian Star Wars podcast uh, from a couple of years ago from the 2021 Star Wars podcast day. Those guys actually interviewed Lucien Mayer and talked all about Jedi talk uh, and that very, very first Star Wars podcast. I listened to it earlier today. Fascinating stuff. uh, And it's just really cool to find out where Star Wars podcasting started all those years ago. Uh, in terms of what we've got in store for you today, uh, I, I guess we wanted to celebrate what this show is all about. Uh, our, our love of Star Wars on the page on our love for this community. Of Star Wars book uh, and comic readers. So, to that end, we'll have a couple more messages from Star Wars creators. We've already heard from the wonderful John Jackson Miller at the talk of the show, um, who we love dearly. Uh, so, we'll hear a couple more messages from Star Wars creators about why creating Star Wars is special for them, and we're going to have messages from listeners and Star Wars readers about why you love reading Star Wars. Uh, you know. The, we said often, this is the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Um, you know, it's actually rarer that an episode is actually just the four of us talking to each other. Um, there's usually, you know, some of us maybe in combination, but more often than not, we're, we're joined by other members of the community to chat about stuff. So we put out a call for voice messages from the community and got a great response. Uh, Dan, you know whose message I'm most excited about, don't you?
2: I do. I'm excited about it as well because this is someone that I've been waiting to hear their voice for like two years, so I'm excited about this Absolutely. one. Absolutely.
1: Rural Farm Boy, thank you so much for listening and all your love and support on Twitter. Uh, you, you support so many Star Wars podcasters out there, um, but but thank you for your message and uh, we're going to get to that at the, at the back end of the show. Um, I'll throw it into the mix. We're going to chat a bit about some of our favourite moments um in Star Wars books and comics. Uh we've each had a think and sort of pick five of our favorite moments from Star Wars books and comics. You know, rather than talk about favorite stories or books. Uh, everybody's had that chat before. Uh, but we're going to dive into some of those smaller moments. But before we do that, let's hear quickly from a couple of members of the Star Wars book community about why reading Star Wars uh, is special to them, why they love reading Star Wars. We're going to hear now from Jason from This Dad Reads and the wonderful Paola, uh, known to many on Instagram
4: as Accidental Geek. Hey friends, this is Jason, also known as This Dad Reads. And I love to read Star Wars because it combines my passion for reading and love for literature with one of my favorite fandoms ever, Plus, it just has so many options for readers of all ages, whether it's for my kids who, you know, are reading golden books or board books all the way up to middle grade, all the way to adults who maybe have a passion for reading or just getting into books. There's just so many options, comic book lovers, uh, manga lovers. um, There's really something for everyone. And it just offers so many different options to dive into the world of Star Wars in the beautiful, wondrous, magical world of reading and books. So thanks for having me, may the force be with you.
5: Star Wars books are not just a portal for falling in love of a flirty bartender canon in a new dome, or melting your heart when Tron gives to Cherry the color marker in Chaos Rising, or sobbing for like 20 minutes absolutely logically for a character you met 3 pages before in Light of the Jedi is not just how much these books give it to me as a Star Wars fan how much obviously they allow me to discover more of the character that I know and the universe that I love is how much scene I feel reading this book And the connection, and even if the characters are messy and they are flawed, they all the time try to do better, to elevate and and be kind and compassionate. And I think this is really the reason why I love to read this book so much. Is because they are so masterfully connected with my human experience that make me wanted to be a better person.
1: So there we go, that was Jason and Paula.
6: Can I just say that one Jason is should be on this panel cuz he's like the secret fifth Beatle of the group. One
1: of us. <laughs> Except he's got his own very very good podcast to, to take care of as
6: well. And second, can we get Paula on some episodes, please? Because her voice was awesome.
1: I know. I I really Paula. We love you. We want you on more uh, of, of our shows, please. Thank you. Um, I I I loved what Paula was saying there about um the ways that Star Wars connect to our human experiences and, and the power, uh, of the power of the writing, you know, um, and I guess that, that's something I wanted to kind of illustrate in a way by looking at these smaller moments, by choosing some of our sort of favorite smaller moments out of, um, you know, sort of plethora of books and comics that are out there, you know, cause I think sometimes when you, when you do focus on the overall story, you're talking about your favorite stories. Sometimes it is easy to forget those smaller moments that really make things great. Um, so we're going to get into it then. Um, I'll kick off this sort of first round uh, of each of us sort of picking in one of our top five uh, favourite moments. Uh, and the first one I want to share is one I've got down in my notes as Avar Chris gets ready to kick arse and take names in the light of the Jedi. Um, which is you know, just at the start of the light of the Jedi we've had a prologue chapter in about three chapters in, in which the the great hyperspace disaster is kicking off. The Head Cell system is about to get utterly obliterated by all this debris flow, falling out of hyperspace. Um, it, it's bad times all around, but the Republic and the Jedi have arrived. And on the Republic flagship is Jedi Master Eva R. Chris, who is going to coordinate all of the Jedi's efforts through the Force. Uh, she hears the, the Force as marvel it's marvelous song. I'm, to, I'm, going, I'm going to read just a little bit of it, because it, it, I love it. I absolutely love it. Eivar sank to the grind, settling herself, legs crossed. Her shoulder-length yellow hair, seemingly on its own, moved back and away from her face. It folded itself into a complex knot, a mandala, the creation of which was a need to focus. She closed her eyes. The Jedi master slowed her breathing, reaching out to the force that surrounded her, suffused her. Slowly she rose, ceasing once she floated a meter about the deck. Around the bridge, the crew of the Third Horizon took notice. They nodded or smiled faintly or simply felt hope bloom before returning to their urgent tasks. Evar Christ did not notice. There was only the force and what it told her and what she must do. She began. I just love that. It's, that was. That was the moment for me that I kind of thought, I, I want to talk about these books that sort of ultimately over the course of a number of yeah. months led to me starting up my Instagram account because I'm reading this stuff and some of it is blowing me away so much that I want to talk about it. You know, the, the idea of uh, a Jedi Master so powerful that she can cross her legs, levitate, use the force to tie her hair back and then get some shit done. Um, I love it. I, I love it to bits. Uh will always it's going to take some doing i think to dislodge that one from from my favorite moments
2: yeah that was that was a beautiful moment johnny um but i just would like to preface that i will not be doing such uh seductive reading for for my for my picks
6: i was just gonna say though i think that, that moment is a really powerful moment um but then the bit that um directly follows it where she describes how she sees the Force, mm. and that introduces the the concept of all the Jedi seeing the Force in yeah. different ways, which I think we've probably seen reference before, but hasn't really been hammered home since the High yeah. Republic. Um, I mean, with no mm. spoilers, but the new yeah. book that came out today as we're recording this, Escape from Valor, one of the characters sees the Force as Threads,
7: which is on, like different it. Threads with different oh, colors, and, like that.
6: Threads intertwine with people in relationships. And it's such a powerful mm. idea, and the fact of... Our Chris seeing it as music as a song yeah. is really incredible. I mean, it's not quite as badass as tying a hair while levitating, but
1: yeah, it's still cool. that, that, I, yeah I'm really looking forward to that book, um, even more so now. Uh,
2: Johnny, I think I'm the logical person to go next for this one. Okay, cool, cool. Um, because, whilst you're talking about uh, one side of everyone's favorite power couple. Uh, my favourite moment is the other side of everyone's favourite power couple and that is an Elzar Man well, a selection of Elzar Man moments in the Rising Storm I found it very hard when when you ask what my favourite moments in Star Wars books and comics the first thing I thought was just the entirety of the Rising Storm and
1: then I was just like <laughs> that, that's not the exercise then."
2: and then I was just like well how many cool things did Elzar Man do in that book and to be honest he rode the dragon there was, yeah there was that there was him sort of you know, battling with the dark side and touching the dark side to, to, you know, in his anger. But I think
1: getting caught with his pants down.
2: Well, Johnny, that is my favourite moment. <laughs> is it? <laughs> there's there's something so incredibly ridiculously human about Elzarman getting caught with his robes down. Well, the,
1: that that quote that we used for the um, Star Wars After Dark round in the quiz episode.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it is just like Elzarman's character is just a phenomenal character. Cavan Scott writes it incredibly well, but there's just something very uh, human about that moment that I think creates a character around Elzar who's completely different and completely unique from all the Jedi that we've got in that era. Uh, and after reading The Eye of Darkness, I, I now reflect back on Elzar Man getting caught with his ropes down in, in anger with him because how could he do that to, to his one true love, Avar Chris So, that and the entirety of the rising storm that features Elzarban is one of my favourite moments in Star Wars publishing it's one of the top Riz moments it's
6: second only <laughs> to that issue of Afro where she like bang three chicks
2: and we love Star Riz on this podcast i
1: have certain it before and i say it again I, I'm 46 years old I only know about the word Riz because of you guys um <laughs> but yeah I, I, are we still doing a Star Riz for Valentine's Day in a couple of weeks yeah <laughs> bring it on bring it on that's, a, that's a great great pick Dan. great pick and yeah there there are many moments in rising storm that i i genuinely love but oddly that is one that really sticks in my brain i i, I always think of Ls are waking up in the morning when things are going down and uh, as far as we're coming
6: back up <coughs> chris what about you next well i'm gonna Same one now and i think i'm going to ask for a collaboration from daniel on this one because i think we both have this as one of our picks so mine is not high republic surprisingly i actually don't have any high republic moments weirdly in my top five um it's from comics and it's from darth vader by kieran gillen i can't remember the exact issue dan if you might know it but it's the moment where boba fett reveals that the pilot that shut that the, the young pilot that shot down the death star his name was luke skywalker and he reveals that to vader and then that's the moment when vader realizes he has a son and it's the most powerful like couple of pages and single panels you've probably ever seen in comics i mean I it's gillans vader's not my favorite comic but that moment is up there that's such a good moment i mean dan you have this one as well don't you
2: yeah yeah i mean this is i mean this 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 moment is so important it happens twice. It happens once in Jason Aaron's Star Wars and once in um Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader. More significantly in Darth Vader, it's more, more of a draw out, drawn out scene in Darth Vader. Um, you know, we have sort of the I have a son moment playing across both of them, but it's sort of continued up by an even more sort of badass Vader moment where he just says, I will I will have it all it no, it will all be mine. Um, yeah he cracks the window like the he just
6: stays stationary and the window just the sort of the the port i think is, is he in the death no he's not in the death star he's after isn't it he's on the executive
1: or, or or the star destroyer yeah
6: he is yeah he just cracks yeah and it's such a good moment
2: and it's a moment that watching empire strikes back you can sit there and think yeah i mean in what point between these two films did he figure out that luke was actually his kid? he didn't know that the last time around i mean we've spoken Um, about it
6: recently haven't we dan on one of the episodes and i don't want to start another episode shitting on greg pax vader i'm not going to do that but we we use that as an example to highlight how important and how intelligent this moment is because if you're going to write a comic that's set between four and five and you want it to be impactful and important to canon this is what you'd focus on you know um whereas some of the more recent series aren't doing what you'd expect them to do um it's intelligent it's brilliantly done it's executed perfectly it's it's a moment that i didn't even know i needed until i saw those panels yeah yeah i was shocked that i never even thought about that same here you know it's up there as like dan was saying it's an important moment in canon because most of the stories we get in comics and books aren't the most canon shaking stories Mm. they're usually just individual adventures which generally are nice fun adventures but they don't have any bigger impacts this one does and i'd probably say um the moment in bloodline where vader when leia release reveals when it's revealed that leia is Mm. vader's child i would say they're probably the two biggest canon shaking moments
1: oh now you're just sneaking in extra picks chris (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm, I'm too fair. That, ne- that, ne- that nearly
6: made it into my Oh, pick. totally. I know, yeah. Okay, we'll call that one an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, Morgan, what about you?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go a completely like different direction than a lot of you guys with my first pick. Um, so this is something more that it was impactful for me because it was kind of my first exposure to a character that I absolutely love. So I did, I did things very backwards in terms of one of my favorite Star Wars characters, which is Thrawn. Um, I didn't read any of the legends I didn't read the original Thrawn canon trilogy I started with Thrawn with the ascendancy so for me one of the like biggest most defining moments for me was seeing Thrawn in his first battle in the ascendancy books because of how meticulous and how cold-blooded and how sheerly like calculating he is and just seeing him be like oh yeah no don't waste anything that would be silly. Um, that moment for me was just like, dang, this is what a villain is supposed to be that's not really a villain, but they're a villain. i I loved it so much, and that was just like, I don't know if it touched my humanity or if it touched my entire lack of humanity. but it was it was just so like, wow, it resonated so deeply with me for a character to be that cold and yeah. calculating.
1: I mean, th- but the portrayal of Thrawn all through that trilogy, I think, is astonishing. And you know, e- e- even though, I mean, I don't think we, do we ever get a POV moment inside Thrawn's head? Never. I, don't th- I think we're always seeing him sort of through someone else's eyes, really. Yeah. But I love that. Because we learn so much more about Thrawn in that trilogy, watching him through other people's eyes, and that sort of the coldness and the calculating,
6: yeah. I also feel like that moment, for people that had read all the Thrawn books beforehand, those books, your books, are probably the first books you get where frawn actually lives up to the potential that you know what I mean, like that you hear about him all the yeah. time. Like in in the Air to the Empire trilogy, you hear about how he's brilliant he's this brilliant genius tactician, but they never really show it. Not really. Apart from like the drill ships, like that's the only moment really. Um and you do see it a bit in the Imperial trilogy, as they call it, but in it's the it's the ascendancy trilogy where you actually see his tactical brilliance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I find so exciting because my favourite of the Thrawn books that uh, in in the Legends Company, there's always been Outbound Flight. And it's kind of outbound Outbound flight still works more or less as a pretty solid prelude to what we're seeing in the Ascendancy trilogy. Uh, In fact, characters and situations from Outbound Outbound Flight are very strongly referenced in the second and third of of that trilogy. Rick Peck Morgan.
3: Yeah, and I just also need to acknowledge for a moment that I just love that the French title of this book is Chaos Croissant because it's chaos rising, and it just fills my heart so much. I,
1: I will never get tired of that popping up on my Instagram feed. Every time I see it, it gets a like and a sieve because
2: that's why I had for breakfast this morning.
1: <laughs> chaos Croissant. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Um, Let's dive in then to the next batch uh, of clips from our voice messages from our listeners, uh, members of the Star Wars book community. Um, Next up, we're going to hear from Jacob, who's joined us on Legends Library before, um, and from Nick and Carmelo uh, of Nick and Mello's Hyperspace. So let's hear from those guys.
8: Hello, my name is Jacob, I
7: am the Yorkshire book lover on Instagram, and uh, I absolutely adore reading the Star Wars books because of oh, quite a few reasons, to be honest, I probably won't get through them all in this little short clip, but I love the fact that it expands on the films and the tv shows allowing me to and many of us to
6: explore and exp-
7: um the g-
6: galaxy far far away in ways that um, aren't necessarily always possible through the medium of film
7: and tv as well as allowing me allowing me to connect with many other people who love reading the same sorts of books so those are the two main sort of reasons bye
4: Hello, my name is Carmelo Estrich. I am the author of Star Wars Multiverse, and I am one half of the Star Wars podcast, Nick and Mello's Hyperspace. Why do I love to read Star Wars? Oh, my goodness. I think, first of all, because the movies are just the tip of the iceberg, and fiction is a huge part of Star Wars. If we count canon and legends, we are talking about hundreds of books written by different amazing authors talking about all sorts of eras and all sorts of characters. Um, I love what writing does to Star Wars. I love being able to sort of read the introspection of the characters. And, and reading and watching are very different activities. And I just wanted to say that I'm an omnivore reader. <laughs> I read the adult fiction, the, the YA, the junior novels, the comics,
0: absolutely everything.
9: Hello there, and this is Nick from Nick and Mel's Hyperspace. wanted to say uh, thank you to the fine folks at Star Wars Book Community Podcast for allowing me just to briefly talk about why I love books and comics so much. And When you're listening to this, of course, it'll be uh, Star Wars Podcast Day, and there are many great Star Wars podcasts out there that dive into books and comics, and I think that's really why I love uh, Star Wars books and comics so much, is because um, Star Wars, of course, started on the big screen, and we've gotten so many great television series since then, but... Um, there's something different about a Star Wars novel or a Star Wars comic, where we get to spend time with characters and uh, get to learn their inner monologues and um, get to see big events that we won't have time for on the screen. We get to find out, you know, the galaxy's reaction to Vader being Leia's father, or we get to see Luke's journey in the comics to becoming a full Jedi Knight and. Um, it feels so rewarding if you're reading and keeping up with all this material. Um, and it's just a blast to get to spend more time with all these wonderful characters that we love so much. So you guys can find me on uh, Instagram at CT0695. That's um, where I spend most of my time talking Star Wars, baseball, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and check out Nick and Mello's Hyperspace. We're on YouTube and Spotify. And thank you so much for your time, guys. And may the force be with you.
1: All oh, right, so that was Jacob, Carmelo, and Nick there. Thanks, guys. Good to hear from you. Um and looking forward to having you back on the show uh, at some point, each of you. Um, thinking particularly about, I think, both Carmelo and Nick, interestingly touched on it in, in their messages there, about sort of character introspection and the opportunities that books afford us to explore characters' interior lives. Um I think then that's something that i find fascinating uh, about reading star wars on the page um i don't know about you guys
2: yeah definitely definitely you get a lot more of characters inner thoughts and monologues when it's in a book and uh i think comics do an incredible job of exploring what goes on in a character's head both through the artwork and what they what they can be thinking sometimes yeah
1: absolutely absolutely uh without further ado then let's jump into some more of our favorite moments then uh chris what about you
6: okay so this one here is one again it's another comic one and it's not so much a big moment that a lot of people will will sort of remember as such but if you're a comic fan you've been reading them every week every month then it's just, this moment is a testament to incredible character work. So my moment is from the most recent run of Dr. Aphra by Alyssa Wong. And it's from issue 31. Now, if you've been reading, reading the comics, you know they've done a lot of crossovers. So they did The War of the Bounty Hunters, Crimson Raid, Hidden Empire, all of that. And Afra, Aphra's part in the last two crossovers of that was something to do with the Spark Eternal. And it was this huge, this big storyline that ran on for like at least... Dan backed me up here about 10 issues, would you say?
2: Yeah, yeah, at least 10,
0: yeah.
6: At least 10 issues. Um, when it all got resolved and Hidden Empire finished, the next issue was just a sort of a, a decompressing moment where all the characters had their sort of emotional conclusions. Now the big one's done. And it was the moment where Sana and Afra. For who for thirty issues had been building this incredible relationship. That's just in this run, previous run as well. Um, it all came to a head, and it's just it was just the best payoff that that was probably the most earned earned moment in recent years. I think Alyssa Wong's a master, and I felt that was her um, masterpiece, in my opinion. Sorry, their masterpiece. Yeah, that moment <laughs>
2: is incredible, Chris. I think we've talked about this one quite a lot um, on Comics Roundup, and I mean, we always talk about how good Afra is on Comics Roundup, but that's incredible. Just to be clear,
1: uh, are you guys talking about that cool, that awesome panel uh, with Afra kissing Sana? Yeah, that's the one under a
6: tree. Under a tree, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's all, its almost like sort of a slightly sort of Buddhist tree of enlightenment, just like yeah. you know this wonderful moment of. Uh, ascendance
6: it's, it's it's not only just that it's the whole entire issue 31 like f has been so serious and all this and then issue 31 is just they're on the ship again and it's everyone just couples off and it sounds ridiculous and on paper it is ridiculous but it's done so well like everything is earned um and that panel is so good that it appeared in another mini-series mini- uh
1: Oh, I'd forgotten it popped up there. That tunnel's
6: used again in another comic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah, it pops up there too. Fantastic, fantastic. So what was Dan's comic moment though?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I thought it would be a good time for me to follow on from that one because I have a comic moment as well. And when Johnny was talking about um, well, when Johnny was talking about what Nick and Carmelo were talking about in terms of being able to see inside a character, there's no moment, I think, where you literally see inside a character more than, Chris, I'm not going to say anything weird here, uh, volume four of Charles Soule's Darth Vader, where Darth Vader builds his fortress. And that, the whole volume is incredible. I mean, look, there's no surprise here. I like Vader's castle. Um, it's sort of in the name but the moment in which Vader sort of enters, enters the world of the the force within his mind, and he goes into the force through this weird gate. It's very weird and mythic and forcey, but it's awesome. And the artwork is absolutely incredible because you see what Darth Vader looks like in the force and how there's still, little bits of good in him fighting, but at at its core, all that's left is, is evil. Um, and I think it's one of my favorite moments because yeah, he builds an awesome castle, but B you learn more about Darth Vader from that single issue of Charles Soule's comic than you do from probably (laughs) the entire prequel, original trilogy and everything else.
6: How tempted were you to just say all 25 issues of Charles Souls Vader?
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty much my answer is all 25 <laughs> issues of Charles Souls Vader. <laughs>
6: I mean, but how I, did you narrow it down to that one moment?
2: Uh, I narrowed it down to that one moment, because that's the moment that is literally seared into my brain as one of the coolest piece of artwork by Giuseppe Cammincioli. You see, for um, me,
6: it's Jocasta New with a lightsaber bazooka. But, oh, you know,
2: that's just me. I mean, yeah. I, do, I do like the, the sort of lightsaber sniper rifle thing. Yeah. Um, but me and fellow um, fellowship boy John, who uh, is on Comics Roundup and me and Chris all the time, it is our favourite moment. We talk about it a lot. Um, and yeah, it had to, had to be mentioned.
1: Great shout, Dan. Great shout. Morgan, what about you? Another favorite Star Wars moment from books and comics? And
3: to look at a clip that looks at the interior life of a character, um, but more so backstory and further expanding upon a character that was one of my favorites on screen. Um, and I'm talking about Jen or so here. Jen is like the quintessential Star Wars badass woman for me. Um and reading Rebel Rising and seeing the time that she spends growing up with SaGarera is just so deeply impactful for me personally, um, because it really gives us that background as to why she is the way she is once we reach the point when she's in Rogue One. Um, and in particular, I'm thinking of her sparring scene that she has shortly before everyone like takes off on one of the final missions before she's left behind. And just how that showcases how underestimated she is and how even though she's this little tiny girl, um, she can still kick ass and take names um, not only is she brilliant and does she develop all of these really crazy intense skills but she also can like physically beat up on people and that that gets reflected later on um throughout the book but i, I just think that scene where we see her fighting and absolutely like just decimating someone is it's great
1: Absolutely. I mean, that whole book, and I don't know we're not picking whole favourite books, but that, that whole book is still, I think, my favourite of those Rogue One tie-ins, and those are all exceptionally good tie-ins. Um, it's the strongest amount of tie-ins, I'd say. It really is. It sits so well together. as a nice body of tie-in stuff. Um, but yeah, see, seeing Jin's upbringing, uh, seeing what that was like, um, basically being brought up you know, with a bunch of gorilla fighters, you know? Um, yeah. yeah I mean, she's amazing. Stuff. Amazing stuff.
6: I mean, do you know why um, Rebel Rising was kind of overlooked for the longest time? Tell us what. It was released the same day as Thrawn. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was oh. obviously the first Thrawn canon book was probably the most anticipated star wars book in years that and probably like the jedi the two biggest ones um that's a terrible terrible piece of marketing that
2: that blue man holds a lot of attention
1: why would you do why would you do that
2: yeah but obviously rebel
6: rising afterwards did gain a lot of cult status and i started seeing a lot of attention brought to it but then the high republic came out (laughs) and everything else kind of faded into the background then yeah Great book though, Morgan.
1: Wow. Good. And I guess uh oh it's my turn then, isn't it? Um
2: Yeah, Johnny, we've got to hear yours. Come on. Yeah. I
1: know. What is my next pick then? You know what I think it is. Um it, it's gotta be um thinking about folks' interior lives. and it, it's 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 not it's not a happy quote <laughs> but um there's a lovely moment uh is maybe not the right word, but there's an amazing moment in um, Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older. One of a couple of moments, actually, that really jumped out to me when I was, when I was reading it. Uh, and surprising, because, you know, DJO does this sort of fanciful, whimsical take on Star a lot of the time. Um, but peppered into the last shot, there were a couple of beats between Han and Lando and sort of Han reflecting uh, on various things, just really hit home really hard. And uh, this is one where um they've just encountered some Alderanians and um, and Lando has just sort of shut off the transmission kind of where they've been talking to these Alderanians. Uh and this is Han and's perspective. Han felt a familiar sadness open in him. It was the same one that rose whenever something happened to Leia that reminded her of watching her home planet explode into a million particles from the deck of the Death Star. She would perform and perform, smiling and pretending everything was okay, and only Han would know that she was slowly falling to pieces inside. And then they'd finally make it home and she'd collapse, stare at nothing for hours, and slowly, grudgingly, let Han comfort her and bring her tea. And then the tears would come, and Han would hold her as she heaved and released, and that's when, inside, he'd be breaking too, piece by piece, with no idea how to put himself back together, let alone his grieving wife.
2: Damn.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, I was not expecting that in a whimsical Daniel Jose Older book about Han and Lando having one more huzzah, you know, when they should be at home settling down, you know? Um, really hard-hitting stuff that sort of really sh- shines a light there both on that we've, we've never seen Leia really give in to her grief in that way. She's always holding herself and qu- quite poised. Um, but then yeah. insight into Han, you know, and, and it's, I love that little idea at the end of that section as well, you know, where Han has no idea how he can Put himself back together. Let alone, let alone look after his grieving wife. Just this little kernel, this idea of a gap between them that mm. he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to bridge that divide. Yeah. You
2: know, I don't think I don't think anything quite explains as to why they're separated in the Force Awakens better yeah. than that. Part yeah, there.
1: absolutely beautiful stuff. Um, and as I say, that's just one of a. I really struggle. There is another section in that book that's kind of an honourable mention for me because so surprising. Daniel, who is the older, he's a sneaky bastard.
6: He will charm you with whimsy and then he will kick you in the guts. You know? I don't think any book has affected me emotionally as much as Midnight Horizon by Daniel, who is the older, so... Absolutely. Like, I understand it completely.
2: Is anyone else disappointed that I didn't copy Johnny and read out the Elzar Man passage?
6: And sheathed his lightsaber. (laughs) Sorry.
2: (laughs) Right. Uh, Before
1: things descend into chaos anymore, let's let's hear from the wonderful Justina Ireland about why uh, writing Star Wars is special for her.
8: Hey, I'm Justina Ireland, and writing Star Wars is special because I get to create the galaxy I always wanted to see as a young fan. And I hope I'm creating a galaxy where everyone feels welcome, and people can see themselves in an adventure far, far away.
6: Yeah, so obviously, um, I can see myself in Diva Lumpup. You know, I just hinge my jaw and eat children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a universal human experience that we can all relate to,
6: yes. Yeah. Thank you, Justina, <laughs> for finally representing
1: me. <laughs> you feel seen.
2: Oh, Chris.
3: If it's okay, I would actually like to go first. Please
1: do, save us from the madness.
3: Awesome. Um, so for my next moment, it's it's very clear, I think I've been pretty open on here, that I am in fact non-binary. Um, I have a very complicated relationship with gender, and for a long time there was not really a character who I could look at and be like, ah, yes, this one is like me and has that same complicated relationship with gender that I do Um, uh, until we get into The High Republic and we first meet characters like Cantum Psy. Um, and I'm going to kind of focus in on one of the most excellent books of The High Republic, um, at least I think so. Uh, I'm going to talk about the flashback scenes that Cantum gets in Midnight Horizon. Um. I All know, books. right? It's so good. Uh, and it's it's some something... There's something to be said about finally having the experience of... I've read a lot of queer books and I've read a lot of Star Wars books, but I've not read queer Star Wars books. And... All of the new things that have been happening in the High Republic in particular have been so valuable to me as a queer Star Wars reader, and specifically a reader that has a complicated relationship with gender, that getting to see Cantum's entire like set of flashback moments in this book and essentially seeing someone who is like me get to be a main character is so like awesome and so wonderful. And I just think that the flashback scenes are so great.
1: I completely agree and sometimes I do struggle with flashback structures but those ones worked so well and you know I think it's so easy for you know cis hetero male readers to forget that um, it matters That that other folk do see themselves represented on the page, Just you know. To,
3: getting to watch a character like me, um, Psy, having this like falling in love with a circus performer moment, and then going on Jedi Rumspringa and then realizing that love is actually way more complicated than we think it is. And that moment when he walks into the garden and talks to Yoda about I think I I think. I think I understand now. I think I understand what love and attachment and all of that really is. And I'm sorry, I do want to be a Jedi. Like that that kind of moment was just so so powerful for me. Seeing a character that is non-binary in the way that I'm non-binary, that doesn't experience gender in the way that I like don't experience gender in some in some cases. Having them be an emotional touchstone of a Star Wars book just felt so validating and so amazing for me so djo racking up the points here i guess right
6: No, if i can add on that as well like there's a a moment which meant a lot to me which i don't <laughs> I don't want to go into too much but the character of v maradi in um black spire mm-hmm. when it's when she reveals that well she doesn't reveal it it kind of comes up naturally doesn't it that she's asexual um, yeah. is a really powerful moment because I feel like that's a really under underrepresented group. Yeah. Um, and the fact we have like a couple of characters now that are ace, um, one of them being Luke Skywalker, controversial.
1: Is that canon? Yes. I mean, it should
6: be. It no, it's just it's it's souls book collector canon. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, obviously, the other one being Leox from the High Republic It's just really, really good, powerful moment, and it, it, it comes across so naturally. And it's done so expertly by Delilah S. Dawson, yeah. Um, it's wonderful.
3: Don't forget for Nestra too. Also, the Arrow is
6: oh, yeah, of course,
1: yeah, soon to be on screen as well, or eventually on screen in, in the Acolyte. Dan, what about you? What have you got next in your, uh, your favorite moments?
2: Well, funnily enough, that is not the only Midnight Horizon mentioned in this in this podcast. Uh, I also wanted to talk about Midnight Horizon as it is my favorite YA book and I'm a huge, huge fan of it. I think Daniel Jose Older created a masterpiece with it. And the moment that really, really sticks out to me amongst all the absolutely incredible character work that Daniel Jose Older does, you know, with Canton's Eye, as Morgan just mentioned, but also with Zane and Ram and all these incredible characters. I can't help but not mention Jedi Grandmaster Yoda Deus Ex Mackining himself right into the final battle to save the day. Um it was quite funny when me and Chris actually interviewed Daniel Jose Older. I asked him specifically about this moment. And and he was basically saying, like, you know, this was a moment of Deus Ex Machina. How could I sort of tie it into the story nicely? And that was where Yoda and Kantam sort of flashback stuff came in Daniel's mind. Um, but this moment was just like so much payoff so much of someone reading everything in the high republic of like where's yoda been for like every book and comic which has been out for the last nine months why he's just mysteriously vanished in a ship explosion and not come back
1: yeah he'd he's in the high republic adventures for a couple of issues near the start um and then decides he's going off to do some investigating or something right
2: and then gets blown up, and then we're like, "Oh shit, Yoda's dead!" Um, but turns out he's not, obviously. But this moment of Yoda returning in Midnight Horizon is so badass, so cool. We just see why Yoda is the Grand yeah. Master, um, and it's just such like a fist pumping, hell yeah moment. And Djo writes it yeah. so damn well.
1: It's the Star Wars Pro's equivalent of that moment in Attack of the Clones when Yoda hobbles into the hangar uh, to take on Count Dooku. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they've done, they've done a little sort of wizard's battle of the, you know with the Force and everything, and it's lightsaber time, you know? And it was, for me, that's one of my moments watching Star Wars in the yeah. cinema when I saw that yeah. for the first time. just pure glee, absolute glee you know I, I i have a huge smile on my face just like yeah. a silly schoolboy.
2: I, th- I think that's why that moment connects so well with me johnny because i was i, I mean i was a, i was a kid when i went to watch attack of the clones and i vividly remember being a gleeful child at seeing yoda leaping around sort of making his weird little yoda screams <laughs> as he jumped as he bounced around the walls.
4: Yeah,
10: that was,
2: like, that was a huge yeah. moment for me as a young Star Wars fan. So I think having another <clears throat> badass grand yoda entrance, but sort of through this this horrible fog of war yeah. and the Nile yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It was just so powerful and so incredible. And
1: you know because it was it was right down to the wire. It was so well written. It was it was one of those absolutely okay, we're not getting out of this I don't think we can get out of this. You know, well, is this going to be another one of those? Everyone is dead. It's the higher up. Yeah, everyone's yeah. going to
2: die. No way. Yoda's here. And it's, there's a green light in the distance. Yeah. And Yoda is here to Great save the day.
1: choice, Dan. Great choice. Okay. Well, I think it's my turn again. Um, this time, I've gone to Claudia Gray. Uh, and, and it's another one of those, it's, it's another, it's another one that I can just read you a quick snippet. Um, and the first time I read this, it well, the first time I read it, it, it didn't take me by surprise because it was mostly plastered on the back cover of the book as well. Um, at least a good chunk of it. But um it it it's a beautiful passage. So this is um Qui-Gon Jin and Rail Avaros, two former apprentices of Count Dooku. They're having a sparring match. They've had some differences of opinion, they've talked a bit about how Dooku has left the order and has lost faith, and Ray Abadon is clearly sort of on a similar trajectory. But he says to Qui Gon, "You know, it doesn't really matter which side we choose." Uh, and Qui Gon Jinn says to him, "And I'm not going to do Qui Gon because I can't do Qui Gon, but I might. I might slightly channel my inner Liam Neeson." Um, it matters, Qui Gon said quietly. It matters which side we choose, even if there will never be more light than darkness. Even if there can be no more joy in the galaxy than there is pain. For every action we undertake, for every word we speak, for every life we touch, it matters. I don't turn toward the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn toward it because it is the light. You know, just that lovely little distillation of what it is... What it is to be a Jedi. What it is to try to be a good person in a world that's full of not good stuff. You know what 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 it is to be to try to be a positive Star Wars fan surrounded by so much hideous discourse. You know and sorry,
2: Jolly. All all I'm now thinking about is Liam Neeson in Taken saying that quote over the phone and then finishing it with "I will find you. I will kill you."
1: I have a very particular set of skills.
6: (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh.
2: I choose the light Everywhere I go <laughs> yeah.
6: I mean that's quite a famous moment now though
1: it, isn't is. It? it is, it's kind of a vanilla choice It sort of feels like a vanilla choice But I I couldn't I couldn't bump it from my
6: list
3: I feel like I heard you read be that a few times Johnny So I understand your, your obsession
6: It's one of those moments though That like has translated To your more mainstream fans yeah. Like I've seen posts From like you know, your movie fans, your TV show fans, your collectors, your merch people yeah. and stuff that don't read the books. And they constantly use that quote. Because they've read the
1: back cover. Um,
6: probably, <laughs> but all, it's just the power of Claudia Gray, you know?
2: She's the goat for a reason. This is true. This is true.
6: Oh, totally,
1: totally. Uh, actually, that um, that quote from Qui-Gon... Uh, just reminded me of the voice message that we got from the wonderful alex taylor books to grammaticus himself um so let's actually hear from alex now
10: this is alex taylor you might know me as books to grammaticus on instagram I can think of a hundred reasons why Star Wars is special, both in general and particularly to me. But the one that stands out the most is that at its very best, Star Wars communicates universal truth. In a society that is increasingly fractured with no shared moral framework and few common points of transcendental reference, Star Wars reminds us in simple and beautiful terms of what has been called the perennial philosophy the ideas about good and evil that have formed the common bedrock of every major tradition throughout history. People from any religious background, or from none at all, can look at Star Wars and see good and evil depicted in stark terms, as well as clear examples of the virtues in action, prudence, justice, fortitude and temperance, faith, hope and love. They can see how temptation works and how it can be resisted and overcome. They can see that it's never too late to seek redemption for past wrongs. They can look at these fun fictional stories and from them draw the inspiration to lead better, nobler and more fulfilling lives. So
1: so that was uh, that that was the mighty bookstagrammaticus, Alex Taylor himself. I know, right? I felt like I was listening to NPR then. I would listen to a whole Star Wars podcast from Alex in that NPR style I'm not going to lie to you Does he read canon I think we should get him on the canon catch up uh he he does dip in and out of canon he's a he's a legends fan um you know he he's been reading star wars for for a very long time uh but he, I, I think he does dip in and out of
6: canon he finds some stuff there to love I feel like that would balance out me and Dan <laughs> <laughs> Yeah
1: yeah yeah well, what one Alex does one Alex equal Two, two one chris one dan
6: two shit boys <laughs> equals one alex yeah
1: <laughs> fantastic fantastic um no but i i love i love that idea that yeah actually at its heart star wars is you know the thing the thing that kind of glued us to the screens as five year olds whenever we first saw it you know good versus evil you know hope wins all that good stuff um and that stuff's still compelling, you know. As a, as a, you know, as a forty-six-year-old, I still find that draws me back and back and back. Um, all right, Chris, why don't you close us out for this batch of uh, sort of
6: favorite moments? Uh, what's your next pick? Okay, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to say the quote. Everyone's going to know it, and I want to see if you guys recognize it and your reactions, if that's okay. Go on. All I am surrounded by is fear and dead men.
2: Yes!
6: Possibly the most badass Vader moment ever. Yes.
2: Chris, someone needed to pick this. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be me or you.
6: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Morgan, you're not a comics fan. Do you recognise that?
3: No.
2: It's,
6: it, you're not that far off it from what you've read, actually. It's from the cross- first ever Star Wars crossover ever. Well, canon vader down and it's this moment where i mean we've spoken recently about how gillen's is so good because it's not a, a, a series about vader being badass and powerful and kicking ass it's about vader in panic mode on the back foot you know trying to deal with his obsession and maintain his his position well trying to get back his position within the empire and at the emperor's side that's why it's so good until you get to vader down and then vader has the most badass moment here in anything movies you can talk about your Rogue one hall scenes all you like this is this is the moment
2: yeah i mean should we just shove it into context in case people listening who haven't read this mm. like vader has crashed on a planet the rebels have gone in after him he's on his own surrounded by you know essentially an army of rebels they've got sort of their equivalent of tanks and Guns pointed at him, and he, they basically say, Darth Vader, surrender. You know, you're surrounded. And then he says what Chris says all well, I'm surrounded yeah. by is fear and dead men and proceeds to wipe them all out.
6: <laughs> yeah, and one of them looks exactly like Nicolas Cage. It's really weird. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, he tells Darth Vader, <laughs> Vader to put the bunny back in the box, I think.
6: <laughs> yeah, honestly, Google that moment, Vader down, just Vader down Vader, you'll find it a million Images of it because everyone loves this moment. Is
2: it is it diodato the artwork, Chris?
6: Mate, I don't know. I don't know things. Okay, sorry. You're the artist guy.
2: I'm the artist guy. I'm not very artistic. No, <laughs>
6: but um, if you do it, look at it because the main rebel that it shows the face of is obviously Nicolas Cage. Fantastic!
1: It, it, it's not your fellow Luraka who likes to trace faces that you would all always. I know oh, no, the art's far too okay. good for that.
2: Yeah, it's it's Mike Diodato okay, Jr. He's a he's a big big Marvel mainstay. That man, good, good artist. Stuff.
1: Oh, great great pick, Chris. Grip. You, you put me in the mood to reread actually that. Um, that sort of 2015 run of star wars and vader um i really like that oh,
2: well there's loads of canon catch-up episodes coming up johnny you can always come on to them with
1: us um, well you know that that, that that might be a thing that could happen
2: we can turn you into a shit boy yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I don't I don't even know what that means, young man. um right, <laughs> let's go on to our, our next batch of reader clips um to voice messages from from folks in the book community. uh we're gonna hear now from the wonderful John, better known to most of his uh, Star Wars Paddle 101 on the old Instagram and uh, loyal listener Joseph uh, and actually Alec as well, who's um, been a listener for a while and and has recently started up his own um, Star Wars Bookstagram account, which I'm very excited by. Um, So this is John, Joseph and Alec.
9: Hey, this is John, also known as Star Wars Padawan O1 on Instagram and Threads. Why do I love reading Star Wars? I love books. I love Star Wars. So it's a no-brainer. Combine them both and it's just fantastic. But really, though, it's the characters. Anytime you read a book and you don't want it to end because you want to know their story well beyond the last page, then you know it's a fantastic book and Star Wars books do not disappoint when it comes to that. I'm looking forward to more reading throughout this next year and talk to you guys soon.
0: This is Joseph Nislik. My Instagram is Joseph Nislik without any space in between. The reason I like Star Wars novels is because I like unique takes on the Star Wars universe and many offers takes on them.
11: Hi, my name is Alec. I run a Star Wars Instagram called The Force Bookworm where I am currently um reviewing the legends books and comics as i read through that timeline as well as canon uh sprinkled in um every so often when i have the time ultimately i love to read star wars books because of the diversity of storytelling that it allows that we can't necessarily see um all the time on screen so i love the super serious stories like when we have the alphabet squadron um, but I also love when Star Wars gets really weird, like in the Dr. Afra runs um, and even controversially in uh, the Screaming Citadel arc. So I just really love how um, the page gives far more opportunities for diversity in storytelling um, and almost feels more like Star Wars to me than the movies and shows sometimes do. <laughs>
1: All right. So that was John Joseph and Alec. Thanks for your messages, guys. Good to hear from you. Um, I really liked what Alec was saying there, actually, towards the end, uh, about that variety in the canon. Um, you have these real differences in tone. You know, you you've you got the traumatized bunch of characters and something like Alphabet Squadron, and then you've also got, you know, lightheartedness and the, the whimsy of DJU and others that we've talked about as well. Um, I wonder if any of that variety might creep into our next bunch of collections of favourite moments. Let's see, um, Dan, what have you got still in the can?
2: Um, well, I mean, I as as Chris mentioned earlier, I actually shared a moment to him. So I've just I've actually just pulled a moment straight out my ass right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it live on air for all the people to judge. Um, if you want to talk about variety in Star Wars, go no further. Than uh, in the incredible Servants of the Empire series playing Gravball.
6: You just stole my moment.
2: Oh, you boss. <laughs> Did <laughs> I? <laughs> yeah, wait, was that, on, was that on your list?
6: No, I changed one of them. But oh, it's fine. Shit. let's share this moment, Dan. Let's share oh,
2: it. guess we're sharing way too many moments now, Chris.
6: Get a room, <laughs>
11: yeah. I know.
2: Um, well, yeah, I mean, let's it's no surprise that me and Chris have both picked something from Servants of the Empire, is it? Um, It's like the best series of kid books that's basically a YA masterpiece in one. And, you know, if you want variety in Star Wars, you know, Star Wars has that unique ability to take any genre that exists in the real world, any film that exists in the real world, and shove it in Star Wars literature, and it still works. And the first, specifically the first book of the Servants of the Empire, um, Quadrology? (laughs) <laughs> um, is you know you it's a it quartet, yeah, or, or, a,
1: or a tetralogy. I think you can have a tetralogy. That's for...
6: Not according, not according to the Alien franchise.
1: Yeah, that's a word <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> no. Doesn't it?
2: Um, what was I saying? It's it's basically just an American football film, but
6: it's like... a high school teen drama, sports drama in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. It is. and it's incredible.
2: And it's better than every team sports book drama ever. that I've
6: watched oh, okay.
2: <laughs> and that, Chris.
6: <laughs> I would, I would argue that it's the best Star Wars book.
2: I don't care. <laughs>
6: I can see arguments for the service of the empire, four books put together. What Name one book better on it. There's not one.
2: I, I genuinely think if, the, if, if, if I was allowed to count the four as one book, which I'm not because they're four separate books, but if I was allowed, it would be my favourite singular book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, I think that's fair. I, that's why it's criminal that it hasn't been collected behind, you know, between the covers of one single volume.
6: Or it's criminal that like no one knows of it.
3: We're we're doing honest work to try to get it there though. Yeah this
6: podcast yeah like no honestly like every every time one of us posts about it in the community how many comments do you get where it's like oh i've never heard of this before i'll check it out and then all of a sudden you see them being like oh my god this is the best book ever and then in their comments oh my god i've never heard of this i should check it out
1: i'm pretty sure it was one of your posts brought it to my attention
6: i did a top five most underrated books and put it as my number one i think that's when you when you saw it yeah
1: yeah i mean i may have sort of seen it on amazon listings and sort of dismissed it as some weird sort of kid book that tied into to rebels or something and forgotten about it you know um but uh yeah yeah preaching the gospel and spreading the love of, of servants of the empire maybe, maybe we'll get that reissue one day
2: preaching the gospel and throwing the gravel if, if, if
6: I can add on to The Servants of the Empire, another great moment. Again, it's a character moment, so not groundbreaking, but just the moment when the relationship between the two main characters, Zare uh, and Murray breaks down in such a mature and real way in a fucking kid's book. Oh, man. I was, my yeah. jaw was on the floor.
1: These books aren't even pitched as YA. They are pitched as middle grade. They are definitely skewing at the older end of middle grade. You know, because of the relationship stuff, I think it's just it, it...
6: just the like yeah. the emotional maturity yeah. of the characters, though, and the, the emotional maturity of the writing about teenagers. I should say is mm. so good. Jason yeah. Fry is a master.
2: Yeah, I mean, not to mention the entirety of the third book is an analogy of Nazi Germany inside a kid's book. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely yep. incredible.
1: Yeah, <sighs> Um God, I, you know, I think it's it's my turn, and I. I I don't have anything to make it better, um, <laughs> because my my next <laughs> pick is actually I'm back with Claudia Gray again. I didn't do this deliberately, but she's popped up twice now in my list. Um, this is in Leia Princess of All I'm not going to read. Um, you'll be glad to, to hear. Um, there's a beautiful moment uh, later in the book when. Leia it, it is now in her parents' confidence about their work with the rebellion and sort of fomenting rebellion, planning, strategizing, organizing against Palpatine and the Empire. And they do this under cover of having these dinner parties. And you know, for the longest time, Leia has really resented these dinner parties where she eventually eventually gets shut out from the, that adult world and doesn't know what's going on behind closed doors. She's now in that world. Um, at one of these parties, Mon Mothma is there. All of the other sort of key figures, um, from the Senate, um, that Beale and Breha Organa are working with are there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Grand Moth Tarkin appears and comes to dinner. And it's just this beautifully awkward, tense dinner party scene in a YA novel um, where everyone is terrified that he knows something and that's why he's there and they're desperately trying to think of ways to distract him or deflect um, and sort of allay his suspicions if, if he's sort of if he's on to them, um, because they're all super tense and freaking out. Uh, and Beale and Breha manufacture an argument about him supposedly, about Beale supposedly having an affair with Mon Mothma. Uh, and the whole thing, it plays out absolutely beautifully. Um, As seen through Leia's eyes, uh, it, it blew me away when I first read it. And when I think about this book, it's one of the first moments that pops into my head, actually. Um, even though it's it's, it's probably sort it's of it's a character moment with so the it it's not as much about the actual plot of the book um as other moments but uh really really beautiful writing from, from claudia gray and totally unexpected
6: yeah it's a a great pick honestly a great pick it's one of the most tense scenes it is so tense it's so tense but it's like again it's earned i know i keep saying this but it's earned like you've got to that point you've, you've got on this journey with leia about yeah. learning about her parents secret kind of um, ties with, it's not even the Rebels at that point, Is it's really early days of the Rebels. They're just chatting about it. Exactly, and um, it just, it builds to that moment, and you just so tend to feel for them like crazy.
1: Yeah, their maitre d' just sort of announces that, uh, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin is here. <laughs> you know, and everybody's like, shit.
6: Yeah. I mean, there's another moment in that book, which I'll throw in as one of my honourable mentions, and that's when Lei goes to Naboo. Yeah. And um meets Panaka who's now working for the empire. Yeah. And that whole moment is just as just as tense, just as crazy. Mm, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that book is great.
1: Oh, uh, you, you know what? I, I cannot say it now. Um two of my like well, one of my moments, of a set of two moments combined into one that sort of is now kind of relegated to an honorable mention, uh, also involves Leia on Naboo. Um, I'll just mention them quickly. Um, those beautiful panels, both in the Leia comic miniseries and in the Shattered Empire series, where, where Leia finds herself on the boo And just t- those two moments where she has some sort of glimmer, glimpse of the Force and sort of sees something, a vision, you know, in Shattered Empire she's in the hangar bays and has that moment where she sees Darth Maul or sort of senses him. And another one where she's looking in the comic where she's looking at a stained glass window depicting Amidala, uh, her mother Uh, and the sort of the the image of Amidala turns and looks at her, you know, Um, just, ah, just jaw dropping moments for me. Um,
6: See, I I thought you were going to mention the moment in the Padameon comic where she gets her mother's dresses.
1: I'd forgotten about that one. You're right. Yeah, yeah.
6: where she gets and you see all of all of Amazon's dresses that Leia is now owns. Yeah, which I thought was a really That's nice. That's beautiful. Moment. That's beautiful.
1: Right. Um, well, Chris. Yeah. What about you? What's your next pick?
6: okay so my next one is again it's not a big moment it's a character moment but it's the kind of final confrontation between krennic and lyra urso in catalyst because catalyst is one of those books which is all character the whole thing is character and it starts off really cold but then you, you warm up to these characters and it builds and builds and builds and just the the way that Lucina writes dialogue between characters is amazing. And it's, it, especially when those characters don't like each other very much. Um, it's one of it's one of his absolute skills. And there's a moment in the park, I think it's in a park. Yeah. I'm really hating on the details where it all kind of comes to a head yeah. and they're kind of like silent war for Galen's kind of attention mm. and the unspoken threats. Um, between them, all come to a head, and it's super powerful, super tense, and it's such a good moment. The character work in that book, I think, is second to none. Yeah, yeah. Catalyst is amazing. Agreed. Agreed. That's really good.
1: You know, it, it, interestingly, it's it's one of only two Star Adult Star Wars novels that I've not yet read in print. Um, I've listened to it on audio several times, uh, which is unusual for me because I usually only go. Use audio as kind of a second time route through with the book. Uh, but for various reasons, um, I've never actually read it all the way through in, in print. It's because you hate James Luceno, isn't it, I, Johnny? I bounced off it. I bounced off on First Attempt. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm
6: not an enormous fan of Luceno's prose. I love his stories. No, I, I, did, I did the same thing for yeah. Tarkin. Took me a few times yeah. for Tarkin. I love the
1: stories he tells. I just bounce off his prose sometimes, um, which is just a me thing you know that that's a that's a great pick chris um i yeah i love that i really love it um and now i want to read that i need to read that this year properly in in, in print don't i
2: it's not as good as graph
6: but yeah. yes you do no it's not as good as graph but nothing is as good as servants of the empire
1: all right morgan what's what's your next pick
3: and i'm gonna go back to another uh junior or middle grade book for mine um In this one and it's actually instead of being one of the older ones that we've all overlooked i'm going to the new one that you guys haven't read yet and i'm not going to give any spoilers on this um i'm gonna i'm gonna read like one little quote very short but i love it with my entire soul um because this is escape from valo it's the one that's just come out um and this is the quote their love didn't make them weaker or bad jedi it made them unstoppable because love wasn't attachment true love was letting go
2: oh that's beautiful
3: the emotional depth of this book that is geared towards children
6: that's the the emotional climax isn't it?
3: it it really and truly is um i'm giving you nothing other than those words i'm not telling you who said it i'm not telling you the context of when it is said but so much of this book is about grappling with love versus attachment and what we can and can't have when we're Jedi or when we're trying to survive in a world that doesn't want us to survive and the emotional depth of this book like I am I am amazed once again with how deep Star Wars middle grade goes yeah we we already talked about servants of the empire, which you already like said is a very thinly veiled analogy for Nazi Germany. This one is a very thinly veiled analogy for things that are going on in the world right now. Um, things like the Ukrainian occupation, things like what's going on in Gaza. This, what, and that. Like it's it's very very poignant, and just I love how. Even in a book that has so many silly moments, and when you guys finally get to reading this one, you'll notice that there are a ton of very silly, fun, funny moments in this book. But there's also this absolute depth of emotion um, and this depth of really emotional maturity from characters that are 12, 14, um, 16 years old that you don't expect but maybe now you do because that's what Star Wars does for
1: us. I I love that about Star Wars books, and I love that Star Wars middle grade does that as well. They're saying, look, we're going to target a bunch of stories to middle grade readers, but God damn it, we are still going to make them think about the world, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. I think
3: I've told you guys before, my nine-year-old is reading all of the Star Wars middle grade books um, in the High Republic. And he is so excited because he just started this one um and I'm excited to read it with him and kind of like like this is this is how the real world is sometimes too and and having those conversations and allowing Star Wars to help facilitate those kind of conversations is just kind of awesome as far as I'm concerned,
6: yeah. Are you going to let him read The Rising Sun, Fallen Star? Uh, not yet.
3: <laughs> you have to wait for his
6: driving
2: for those ones, think, really. Yeah, you might just have to, like, cover up <laughs> the lines about Elzar Man's his robe.
6: throbbing robe. Right, <laughs> on,
1: um, on that bombshell, let's... Girls, Adam, can though?
2: The...
6: I agree, because the, the darkest, most powerful moment in The High Republic, in my opinion, is in A Test of Courage, which is the first of those middle-grade books. Imri actually turns the dark side in that book. Yeah. Legit turns the dark side and kills people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And everyone's like, it's fine, he's all right now. <sighs>
1: yeah, Yeah, he's not off to remedial Jedi classes with um, Orla Jereni, is and he? And that
6: book is about... Yeah, it's about grief. Like, it's the most powerful sort of message about dealing with grief yeah and it's a middle grade book with mm-hmm. about a character yep. with green skin yeah yeah i love it so good anyway back to your regular scheduled program totally agreed
1: chris totally agreed you know what i actually i i need to go back and reread test of courage because i i, I think i read it in such a rush that i didn't fully appreciate at the time quite how powerful it it uh, was and is so i definitely need to have a, another listen to that uh, or another read of that at some point soon uh, next up we are going to hear from two more star wars creators we're talking about the high republic there with the test of courage uh we're going to hear now from uh, a high republic author and indeed an artist who's contributed to many of, of the high republic Comics. We want to hear now from the wonderful Lydia Kang and from Ario Anandito.
8: I have loved Star Wars since I was a little girl, and so being able to stand in the room where it um, happens—I don't know how else to put it—and actually create stories for a world that I have adored forever has been
3: just an incredible dream come true and such um, an honor and a privilege.
0: I love it. Hi, this is Ario Anindito. Uh, Drawing Star Wars for me is special because it's Star Wars. (laughs) I'm a huge fan, uh, and especially because I'm drawing uh, Star Wars The Higher Republic, I got to co-create new characters, um, new planets, new monsters, new droids, um, new spaceships, and um, i'm working with such a solid team and i got to meet uh, wonderful new friends all around the world the readers the high republic fans they're all all amazing and you know drawing star wars it's such an unforgettable uh, experience i got to draw lightsaber battle i got to draw jedi initiation jedi riding rancor it's unforgettable it's just such a treat for me as a comic artist and as a fan to to be in a star wars universe and to draw them in the comic books i'm so happy doing it
6: lydia kang there cementing the title of nicest person in star wars uh, every single time i've talked to her she's been wonderful yeah yeah every she, single time
1: she seems lovely she seems lovely um Hopefully we'll we'll get her back uh, we'll, we'll get her back to re-record the 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 now fabled lost Lydia interview. Um Don't
6: your mate Dan Cry. Uh,
1: sorry. Um uh, and also uh here's a question. How uh, how embarrassed are we that we've been mispronouncing Ariu's surname for the last couple uh, of yeah, years? i pretty
2: embarrassed. Yeah.
6: I've met him as well.
2: <laughs> um Yeah. But um, I mean, as well as every time me and Chris have mispronounced Ario's surname, it's been in us saying that he's one of the best artists working in Star Wars yeah, right now. So he's one of our favourites. I think he'll hopefully forgive us.
6: <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about amazing Star Wars moments, let's throw one to Ario right now. Honourable mention, splash page, how Keith Trenner sees the Force, how, how Chris sees the Force. Oh
2: my God. This is the the best splash page in do, do you know what I'm talking about Johnny? Yeah. room at that is moment?
1: In which volume of Fear's one is Ish. it?
2: Issue one. It's the very first issue. It's just after Keefe has dealt with all the flying. Well, it's as she's dealing with the big
8: flying yeah. bugs.
2: You see her sort of go into. And stuff.
6: then I think in the last issue or the second to last issue, you get Avar's version of it.
3: Yeah, this is one that I actually remember. So it's one of the old flowering, flowering comics that I read.
2: Well, and then like three pages later, you get that beautiful splash page of the the opening of Starlight Beacon ceremony with all the Jedi saying for light and life and Keith Trennis like crying because of how emotionally powerful it is. I mean, the artwork yeah. is just, wow oh, chef's
6: To be fair, I think actually there was a recent poll on one of the Facebook Star Wars book groups. And I think that moment, I think it was the Avar one. It might be the Kiev one, was voted as the best moment in star wars comics
2: yeah. i disagree with that but it's up there it's up there yeah
1: yeah it's interesting it's, it's had a big impact for sure hasn't it Yeah,
2: arrow's artwork is phenomenal
1: good stuff all right let, let's dive in then to our, the, the last of our sort of favorite five picks um you know what i'm going to kick off this one um and, and this one's kind of topical uh, it, it's as far as it from the End of Dark to cycle, which is a book that's got a lot of attention in the, in the last week or two, um, for reasons, that, that you're all aware of. And um, if you really don't want to be spoiled, if you just come into this book now and if you really don't want to be spoiled for how it ends, I'm literally just about to read the last couple of paragraphs. So maybe just skip on a couple of minutes and we'll, and we'll catch up with you there. Um, but this is if you're still here, Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan Kobe laying a size ventress to rest on Dathomir. Voss bore her in the force to the still dark pool and gently lowered her. Slowly the black water closed over her, accepting her into its embrace. Her face was the last of her to disappear, pale and bearing an expression of serenity she had never known in life. He blinked. Was the water changing colour? Tendrils of mist began to rise green and glowing, green like the daffamiri magic Spentress had spoken of. Green like the water of life. Voss caught his breath. Soft susurrations reached his ears, sounding almost like Kenobi was beside him immediately, his lightsaber unlit but in his hand. Voss, what's happening? Slowly, incredulously, Voss understood. His heart ached with a bittersweet joy. Listen, was all he said. Kenobi's eyes widened. He heard it too, now, the whispers of women's voices. The force had reclaimed Dathomir's wayward child, and as Vos reached out in it to send the woman he loved a final farewell, he thought he could make out a single word. Sister. Saj Ventress. At last, had come home. I mean, I can't do that justice. Um, but mm-hmm. when I read that for the first time, I, I, I genuinely shed a tear, and that, that doesn't happen often when I'm reading anything. And it sure as heck doesn't happen often when I'm reading Star Wars. Um, but as the culmination to that story about Asajj Ventress, it absolutely took my breath away, and. I'm really excited at the prospect of many more people now discovering that novel um, and getting to that moment. And well, yeah, we'll, 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 I guess we're going to learn where things go from there.
2: Mm, I mean, I don't want to—I don't want this to be uh, bad batch season three speculation chat. But I will just say, after listening to that passage, I can kind of justify in their heads. Anything that they do in the story, because I mean, green waters of life and Dathomiri magics could sort of just answer any question.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, you know, I've always felt that passage that clearly they were hedging their bets and there was always a way back. I, I kind of, my preference was kind of all with more like, I kind of liked the idea that maybe Voss would carry on but he was sort of, she'd be sort of be there as kind of a spirit or some sort of ghostly sort of presence, sort of like haunting him in a way. I kind of liked that idea more than she is a back. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go with it. I, I think it's very promising and genuinely mm. interesting to see where that might go.
2: What a moment. And what a book, by the way, Dark Disciple is... Fantastic. God,
3: yeah.
1: Based on 8 unproduced scripts so for 8 episodes of The Clone Wars, it slows like 8 episodes of The Clone Wars. You can almost tell the episode breaks in it, you know?
2: Okay, you know where the breaks are.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's fast paced, it's punchy, you know, there's really only a couple of beats where the pace slows down and it maybe indulges in sort of some of the more romantic stuff that maybe the animation might have skirted around a bit. Um, but for the most part, beautiful book uh if you love Clone Wars you need to read it um so that that's my final pick um Chris what about you what have you got
6: okay so my final moment is
2: is it uh Darth Vader's 20th test in Greg Pak's series
6: (laughs) (sighs) shut up that's not even I could even joke about
2: that
6: (laughs) see I was going to change it out I was This last moment here, I was going to change it out just to keep it a bit of consistency for Gravball, but someone ruined that. So, I want to throw in a Legends one. Good stuff, ripping the Legends. Uh, legends, yep. Yeah. And it is the final fight at the end of the second book in the Darth Bane trilogy, Rule of Two. And it's the moment when Bane and Xana have gone to the, the Sith lady temple thing and the jedi um who we've been reading about for essentially a book and a half it all converges and they finally get there and the jedi get absolutely massacred and it's brutal and you think hang on a minute all the heroes have just died in this one scene and there's still another book to go what the hell and it's incredibly powerful it has this really cool moment with the Sithorian jedi doing battle meditation um, but like on a small scale, not like on a ship battle, and it's just probably one of the best written fight scenes that I can remember. It's just if 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 you like action, it's it's the one.
1: Yeah, and it it's impressive insofar as there's a lot going on, right? You've got Bane engaging one or two of them, and you've got XANA engaging one or two of them. You know, and you've got another Jedi over in the corner who's sort of using force meditation to help the Jedi. You know, it's a multi. Yeah faceted thing that's constantly shifting and moving and you never once lose the thread of where you are in the fight and, and where other people are at and yeah. when you're not following what's going on with being your your level your, your tension level about what's going on that, you, that you're not being told is kind of rising and then you come back and then you're worried about what's going on with Xana and then you come back and yeah. it's yeah
6: it's yeah. wonderfully done and it's ridiculous in the, in the, oh, in yeah. the way that only Legend yeah. Star Wars can be ridiculous where everyone's super powerful it's basically like a dragon ball z episode yeah, yeah. Do you know what i mean everyone's just charging up and doing big powerful moves and stuff but it's just really cool because obviously at this point bane has his full obelisk armor on
8: yeah
6: which if you don't know are like these little crustacean creatures who he lets take over his whole body because a lot can't penetrate them again legends ridiculousness but it's wonderful um yeah it's a really really good moment um and if you haven't if you're going to read any legends yeah it probably should be the Bane trilogy because it really is because everyone says it uh, is.
1: Yeah. That, that's not, not a bad shot. Yeah. And I, you know, you know me, Chris, I think you were, had your reservations maybe about it as well. You know, I had my reservations going into the Bane trilogy, knowing that, you know, it, 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 they're the kind of books that seem to be sort of a bit of a magnet and a touchstone for a certain kind of fan, you know, who.
6: Yeah. Toxic masculinity.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, Path of Destruction, I totally see the, the first one, the first novel in that trilogy. I, I get why that's attractive to people who might display those sorts of character traits, um, but they're really good books, and I can't begrudge them that. You know, they're are crackers.
6: No, and he, they never. Carpe never romanticizes Bane. He never makes him the hero. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the difference. Like I feel like the way that pe- what people worship sith revan is the more problematic thing whereas bane people have latched onto to him because he's all republican because he looks cool and because he's the one that created the rule too but none of that comes from the material yeah the material is always incredibly well balanced with bane and it's really well written
1: yeah yeah great great pick chris great pick um morgan what has you got
3: so for my last one I'm not going to make anything happy. I'm going to go for a moment that's not necessarily a favorite moment, but a moment that had me feeling a lot of emotion. Because
6: um, it went a lot graph ball. No, it's not graph ball.
3: Um, I'm going to go back to The High Republic, um, and I'm going to specifically look at Path of Deceit. Um, so, Path of Deceit, obviously, there's, there's, it seems like such a cute little fun book. And then you get to a moment at the end, where it's not a cute little fun book anymore.
1: Uh, understatement.
3: Yeah, um, I think we all know. And I don't know is it is it a spoiler at this point in time if I talk about what happens at the very end of Path of Deceit? Like the book's been out for a while, right? Like I think
1: it's. I, I think so. You, I think you, you you've got to say. And you know, if if you really if you don't want to be spoiled for the shocking ending of Path of the see. Skip forward a couple of minutes.
2: Spoil it. Spoil it. <laughs> Spoil it.
6: But yeah, go for it, Morgan. I think All everyone right. that wants to so- will know what happens will Kevmo what happens, so...
2: <laughs>
8: That's
3: fair. Alright, so at the very end of the book, uh, we have our character Kevmo Zink, who ends up being basically turned into a husk and calcified by one of the force-consuming creatures that seemed to play guard jedi in the high republic era and i distinctly remember taking my book screaming no and throwing it across the room at the wall because i was so upset cuz you had such this there was such a cute story and the emotional payoff <laughs> uh, it was crazy. I, I I've never had that visceral yeah. reaction
1: before. Um, yeah, that's that's not how you end a nice little YA novel about a Jedi falling in love with uh, a cult nice. member.
2: Yeah, flower girl, right? Is it right? Right?
3: Yeah, it's, it's crazy.
6: Um, Marthas fans unite!
3: Yeah, no, I mean, like, and honestly, I think part of the thing that's seeing how Marta reacts to it and seeing like experiencing all of this with these characters. And then in the end, it's just like, well, they're dead now. Um, we're just going to completely destroy them for you. And it just, I'm still, I'm still reeling
1: from that. Yeah. 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 Another heavy hitter from the YA slash junior stable. Right.
3: Honest, honestly, this book is so expertly done. It's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's a perfect book. And then this end that is just so excruciating and, and, horrible it makes you throw the book just wraps it up nicely and makes it a wonderful terrible book. Um, oh
6: yeah. I am slightly jealous because I didn't think of this moment because this is this was my high this is my High Republic moment as well. And um, the way people talk about a loading Great Storm in the Rising Storm or Stan and Geos in The Fallen Star, it they hit me, they were emotional, but Kevmo in Path of Deceit was the one because I was totally invested in the love story leading up to that moment, yeah,
1: yeah, totally totally,
6: and the heartbreaking thing is that moment, but the heart the super heartbreaking thing is Marda's reaction to it afterwards, how it pushes her further down her dogmatic ridiculous path ah
1: uh, she just she doubles down every single time, yeah, and it's
6: heartbreaking, like I love Mardaeau, um such a great character, and this moment this book path to seat. It's the best hard public book. Yeah, I, I,
1: I, I get that. I get that. Uh, okay, so we've had Asphage as Ventress's funeral and the Jedi Padawan getting turned to stone. This this final batch has kind of got a definite downbeat vibe going on. Da- Dan, can you save us?
2: uh well to be honest i mean the thing that i've got written down could save us but i actually kind of don't want to save us so i'm actually going to just talk about what the the real heartbreaking moment that made me lob my book at a wall and that is the ending of the rising storm (laughs) I just shot all over your moment. I'm sorry, Dan. (laughs) Yeah. Cheers, Chris. Uh,
6: You get, but you get for grab
2: ball, mate. But I mean, I always wanted to talk about this. I didn't know if this was an honorable mention or a top five because it is, it's one of my most respected and appreciated bits of writing in all of Star Wars. I like hate it Do you like uh, because, because it like it Kevin Scott writes it so incredibly well that it, it, it comes and it happens and you're just like no why and then like I I had the reaction of just shouting at the book like no and the reason why and we'll talk spoilers it's the rising storm is Loden Storm is presumed dead missing we find out he's still alive he comes back he reunites with Belle's Zetifar, Everything's happy, and then t- twenty pages later, he's dead. Yes, and he's, he's not just dead. Calcified. He's a husk. Yeah. He is completely turned to stone and crumbled away into dust. And that is how the book ends.
1: Yeah, I, the, the, the thing I love about that passage in particular is that. it's it's some sort of weird, amazing writing alchemy that Kevin Scott has given us enough information about what's happened that we kind of understand. So we sort of understand, but we we still don't have a picture in our minds of what this thing is, what's actually happened. All we know is he's dead, but it's not compute. It's written in a way that we can still follow the story, but we haven't got a fucking clue exactly what happened. Yeah. If you if you know what I mean, we haven't really seen the nameless. We don't really know what it is. Absolutely, but it happens. It's, it's clear that something has happened, that the Jedi are having trouble perceiving it, etc. I think all of the writers actually tackle that really, really well, mm. which is fascinating.
2: But this is the first moment, isn't it, John? Yeah, it, it, this happens. Yeah, and it is still stays with me to this day. Like I still remember being sat in. My old bedroom, reading this book, and getting to that final moment, and being like, "Holy fucking shit!" I was so I was so ready to write a review on Instagram about how much I adore Kevin Scott, <laughs> and now I have to write a review about how much I adore Kevin Scott, but also, yeah, why? <laughs> um, but no, it's an incredible moment. Um, it is a heartbreaking moment. Mm yeah and and to be honest i think i think a lot of you know there's a you know some sometimes people will talk about you know the, the shock factor with higher republic but i think this is way more than this and this is you know a credit to be given to Kevin scott here this sets the stakes of the entire high republic era it, it sets the stakes of the villains of Marky on rowan the nameless they don't have to do anything else but that single moment of loading great storm dying tells you that the high republic is serious about its villains and this is a serious era with actual stakes and because of that i think it is a moment that deserves to be held up in a hall of horrific fame
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and then after we got it in uh we then get treated to that really shocking panel in the comic run um, where we see Loden husked, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah, But oh, yeah, DJO was just like, why don't I just get an artist to draw it as well? I was like, "Why? Yeah. we oh, don't need yeah. to see this again. <laughs> like, they're evil yeah. geniuses, but they really are geniuses, these High Republic writers.
1: They know what they're doing, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right. Um, I'm conscious of the time. Before we get to the end, let's listen to one more batch of um, voice messages from the wonderful folks out there in the book community. Uh, We're going to hear now from Connor and from Christy, uh, both of the Book Ascendancy podcast uh, and from Eddie, um, who's more of a, a YouTuber.
4: Hello everyone,
1: my name is Connor from Connor's Bookshelf and the Book Ascendancy podcast. I love reading Star Wars
0: books and comics because it provides another window into the Star Wars universe. It focuses on characters who maybe didn't get a lot of screen time in the movies, um, fan favorite characters um, or new
4: characters entirely, such as with the High Republic. And it always provides something new and something different.
0: And I really love that in Star Wars, where sometimes in the movies we see a lot of the same things. We focus on the Skywalkers, but the books take away from that. They bring you somewhere else. And I love
4: going to visit these other characters, other worlds, and other stories.
8: Hi, I'm Christy from Admiral Reads in Book Ascendancy. And the reason why I love reading Star Wars books is because it opens up this already huge universe into something way more. You find out about these characters that you would have never cared about and suddenly now you're in love with them. It is just the most fun ride and it's more Star Wars content because... Shows and movies come out so slow, so go pick up a book. There's so much fun. Hi, my name is Eddie. In the Star Wars YouTube community, I'm known as Surfer Eddie. I run a small channel of um, Star Wars talk, uh, mainly expanded universe, the novels, the, um, the comics, and my YouTube name is Surf or Channel, is Surfer-76, and... I just uh, really love talking about Star Wars. I love the fact that we have so much more than the actual films. Star Wars has proven to be much larger than the movies. And I love... just immersing myself into this amazing universe i love the characters some of my favorite characters are even beyond the movies and it's just a passion of mine i've been a fan since um, 1980 since empire strikes back was released and still a fan and just love talking chatting star wars uh, mainly about the comics and the novels
1: Okay, so that was um, our, our very good friends, Connor and Christy, both of the Book Acidity podcast and uh, and Eddie. And, you know, I guess talking about how Star Wars, you know, really, Star Wars books and comics can explore new territory and characters beyond the screen. Um You know, and Christy said, it's just more Star Wars in between the shows and the films, which take forever to come out. So, you know, there, if you're into the books and comics, there is never a famine, you know, that there's always too much content, um, to be getting on with. Yeah. Um, which I don't know about you guys. I, I love that. Absolutely i'm back in the boat having caught up on canon i'm back in the boat of having to catch up again you know i, I think I, i'm still working my way through return of the july uh, from a certain point of view that collection of short stories and then i'm done but i'm not because escape from battle has just come out and i'll need to you know when that lands on my doorstep i'll, I'll be able to do that too there is always more
2: and i've still got fucking heaps to read <laughs>
1: Yeah, you'll get there, though. You'll get there. Um, Guys, I've really enjoyed this. This has been a lot of fun.
2: Yes. It's been a nice reminisce on some great moments in books and comics. I'm glad that we got lots of, you know, we got, got, you know, comics. We got adult novels, YA novels, junior novels. We got a full High Republic, old canon, new canon. I mean, we've got the full representation, legends as well. Um, So it was good fun. Yep. Um and I'm glad that we're uh, we're here on Star Wars podcast day to, to talk about Star Wars books.
3: Big up the books. Books. Absolutely. And it's not just books that make this podcast what it is. It's it's the people too. So I'm so glad that we got to hear from so many of our friends and the people that we get to talk about star wars books with because really who talks about star wars books to people in their real life (laughs) Um, so we have this wonderful little community of people That understand the the kind of crazy that we are, um, who are willing to sit there with us in that craziness (laughs) and discuss these things. Um, And it's also amazing that we've gotten to hear from so many of the authors and the creators within the Star Wars space as well. Whether that be um, the authors of our novels, whether that be the artists behind our comics, or even the uh, academics who have written more nonfiction pieces regarding Star Wars with with Carmelo joining us there and, as well, so it's it's just magical that we have this community um, that cares so much about not only Star Wars but the Star Wars books and each other.
1: Well, you know, speaking of community uh, and how you know the Star Wars book community as it's kind of grown sort of organically uh, online on Instagram, etc., uh, has really been bringing people together. Um, we, we've got a lovely message now from sam at sith queen from instagram
3: hi my name is samantha you may know me on instagram as sith queen underscore i love reading star wars books because it's something my dad and i did together when i was little now that he has passed it is my way to continue to connect with him I actually also met my now fiance, Chris, through the Star Wars book community for a passion for all things Star Wars and much more.
6: Yep, that's uh, that's my fiance right there.
7: Woohoo!
3: Oh my gosh, Chris and Sam, I'm so happy for you guys. This is awesome. I love this.
5: We love love. Yeah,
6: she's all right. <sighs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I um, I, yeah, you, you guys have been. You've told some folk certainly in in, in private, I know, uh, and uh, so a, a few things more publicly on, on Instagram, certainly in the last week or so, um, mm-hmm. uh, as this episode goes out. But uh, that that that's a that's a big old announcement right here on the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Yeah,
6: I mean, if I could just quickly sort of briefly say, obviously, we're both Star Wars um, book content creators, I guess Mm -hmm. Um, she's been more, she's been into the merch, the helmets and stuff like that. And she's more the comics. She just do the books though. Um, And I've also been the books, but it's weird because when I started doing this, um, this Instagram thing, and when I started the book community along with yourself, Johnny, she was one of the Mm -hmm. first accounts that I saw and followed. Yeah. And then, you know, three years later, here we are.
1: Fantastic. So, are, are you going to uh, elope and have a secret ceremony by a lakeside on Naboo?
6: Yep. <laughs> She'd fucking love that. <laughs> She's. She, this is the only. This is, okay, this is the only band contention between us. She's a prequel girl, and you, you know hold, how I feel about the prequels.
1: You can't hold that against anybody these days.
6: Mm, can't
0: you?
6: <laughs> no she's amazing and i love her so thank you johnny
1: congratulations guys that that's amazing news (laughs) that's amazing news um yeah yeah i i'll I'll happily be the protocol droid or the astromech droid standing witness um at at the lakeside there all righty then so we're, we're actually we're nearing the end um of this very special podcast day episode um We've got one final message from uh, loyal listener um, Rural Farm Boy, and I'm really, I'm really looking forward to having Rural Farm Boy. Hey there, RFB, um, close out the show. It was it, it's, it's a beautifully simple take on why reading Star Wars is, is special. Um, so we can't wait to share that with you. But before we get to to RFB, um, let's just say thank you again to the, the wonderful um, Star Wars creators who, who have given up some of their time and to send us messages for this special Star Wars Podcast Day episode. John Jackson Miller, Justina Ireland, Lydia Kang, Ario and Indito, and, and of course all of the folk from across the Star Wars book community who, who have sent in messages and and, and shared their love for star wars and shared why they love reading star wars with us um so before we turn it over to rfb close up let's just let the folk listening know where they can find us online dan
2: Vader's castle library on instagram on this podcast from time to time and i just want to give a special thanks to rural farm boy for his message uh rural farm boy back when uh i had another podcast that nobody listened to i
1: listened and rfb listened
2: was one of the few people <laughs> that did listen to it uh and he's still supporting all the way today so thank you very much and uh yeah this was a blast guys morgan where can folk find you online
3: I can be found primarily on Instagram at naughtyforceuser. Occasionally on here as well. Um, looking forward to hopefully next week uh, gracing you with a lovely episode on love and sex and everything that's fancy and valentiny in
2: Star Wars and Riz. Don't forget the Riz.
3: <laughs> the Star Riz. Um, Hopefully that's coming out next week. Uh, I'm also trying to do other social medias, but it's it's mostly just Instagram at this point.
6: And finally, Chris, uh, where can can folk get you? SW Book Collector on Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. Super. Uh, And of course, you can find me uh, on Instagram and threads as at Journals of the
1: Wills. That's Journals with an S and Wills with an itch. And you can reach out to the whole podcast team on all the usual social media channels. And there you're looking for at SWBC Podcast. And of course, keep those pods set to subscribe, folks, because coming up on Friday this week, we've got Comics Roundup. Next week, uh, we've got... Canon catch up on Monday we'll be looking at Star Wars Volume 2 Showdown and Smuggler's Moon uh, Wednesday we've got that wonderful Star Riz episode that special episode for Valentine's Day Star Riz. Friday next week we have got Legends Library returning with our first look at the Knight Errant series by John Jackson Miller lots to look forward to in Just the week ahead, and more to come after that. We're going to close out this special Star Wars Podcast Day episode of the Star Wars Book Community Podcast with the words of Rural Farm Boy. Take it away, RFB.
7: Uh, Hello, Star Wars Book Community Podcast friends. This is your listener friend and Twitterverse friend, Rural Farm Boy. Or maybe as Dan and John might know, most podcasters call me RFB. With my message on why I like reading Star Wars books. Well, I'm more of an audio listener, if that would count, I would think in some shape, fashion, or form. Why? My reason's very simple. I go to any Star Wars, whether it's films or Disney Plus, or definitely counts in the way of books and novels. I go to them for one reason, and I have. Since I was a kid, in an original generation, I saw Star Wars 1977. The one reason is very simple. Tell me a Star Wars story. May the Force be with all of you, and happy Star Wars Podcast Day.